Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Richard Kennedy. I'm here with Nick Goslin and Ryan Garvey. We're New England Socials, your New England-based podcast about everything New England, from places to go, people to see, things to do, and experiences we're having. Boys, first episode with the new format. How you feeling? New format. I am energized, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it. Garb, how you doing, big guy? You weren't here last time. I wasn't there last time. I'm doing great. I Ready like that to go. Friendsgiving shirt. Got some research. Yeah, man. Yeah, fits me, so I like it too. All right, cool. Hopefully Love that. Yeah, my favorite Nicole. shirt. Packed Hopefully on some there's pounds. some nostalgia there too, but not a big deal. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, that, that matters. Um, all right, real quick, as promised, um, what are we doing for drinks? Like, what do you got going on over there, Nick? Some good fan art or can art? Yeah, no, great can art. For those of you that have followed the podcast, I'm a big can art guy. Um, usually, you know, that can spur me to get a can of beer from the store in this one. You know, you guys can't see me, but it's called Fat Orange Cat. Uh, we got a little 6.8% alcohol. Um, and yeah, the can art is actually pretty lit. Not a big cat guy personally, but the picture of the cat is dope. And it's an IPA and pretty good. Dope. What are you yeah. drinking, Garb? Anything in, in particular over there? Yes, I'm drinking a coffee, a chock full of nuts. Probably my my favorite cheap coffee. You're drinking uh, coffee at wait, like a, Is it decaf mm-hmm. or... Regular? No, regular. I can. I. No, this doesn't affect me at night. Come on, I'm Roseanne's son. <laughs> wow, I love that. Okay. Wow. Really? Wow. If I had a cup of coffee right now, I would be up to like two a.m. I wish oh, this was no, the old format because I would really want to delve into that. But yeah, we'll just I'm not let that lie. one slide. We're gonna, we're gonna let that one slide. <laughs> Maybe we'll touch on it right at the end. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, I'm drinking a little Dale's Pale Ale. Which I mean, apparently is a nationally very obscure. Recognized. Yeah, it's very it's nationally recognized uh, as far as Nick Goslin's concerned. Uh, one of my favorite pale ales um, by Oscar Blues Brewery. Yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, jumping right into it, though, new format uh, for anybody who didn't listen to the transition episode. We're kind of refocusing or restructuring, right? I think you're gonna hear a lot of the same. Um, like a lot of the same focuses, like still all New England stuff, uh, you know, still going to be some stuff that we're going to be doing as far as visiting different establishments, breweries, restaurants, like, you know, um, you know, well-known areas in the, the New England states. Um, but also going to be hitting on some like, you know, historical New England topics, whether that be music uh, like we're going to do today or um, history, uh, historical figures, events, stuff like that. So it's going to be pretty cool. Um, the way we're going to do this is... We're going to jump into our episode today, which is about the bad boys of Boston or Aerosmith. Um, And we're going to start with the 411. We're going to break down some of the uh, kind of band history for you, some of the facts that we learned and uh, some of the cool things that we wanted to discuss. And then we'll talk a little bit about Steven Tyler, who's obviously kind of the front man there. And then wrap up with uh, some fun facts and some kind of music stats for you. So I'm pretty excited. Nick, I think you're leading us through the old 411 on the band. Isn't that right? Yeah, band history. So I focused a lot on the early history just because I feel like as they kind of rose to fame, um, there wasn't as much cool stories going on. Um, they have so been really, relevant for a long time. Yeah, so Aerosmith, for a really um, you know, they're the most popular American hard rock band of all time, and they've been going since their first official gig as Aerosmith was in 1970. So if you figure that, like, we're in 2020 right now, that's that's freaking 50 years where, yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. Um, so to kind of get into it a little bit, Steven Tyler, um, and it's kind of like a misconception where people think that, like, 
this band, like everyone is from Boston. And that's really not the case. They really only had one member who was originally from Massachusetts. It was uh, one of the lead guitarists, Joe Perry. Uh, he was born in Lawrence and then grew up in Hopedale. Um, so Steven Tyler is actually originally from Manhattan, but Garby will obviously give you a little bit more history on him. Um, so I kind of ran across two different stories and I'm wondering if they intertwine. So I read somewhere that Joe Perry and Steven Tyler met while Steven Tyler was working at an ice cream place. So um, I'm so glad you brought this up because I, so obviously just like everybody knows, Nick was in charge of band history, uh, Garb's doing Steven Tyler, like I said, and then I did music, but I ran into this too. And there's like three, maybe even more stories of Steven Tyler and Joe Perry meeting. And like, I found two articles where they did like interviews and I feel like the stories from the interviews weren't are really different. lining up. Yeah. Like okay. one of them was like, like Steven Tyler went to this, I think it was a restaurant in New Hampshire called Anchorage or something like that. And was like eating French fries and like wanted to compliment the chef because they were like the best French fries ever. And the chef ended up being Joe Perry. And then I heard the ice cream parlor one. So I, I don't know. I was hoping that you had, you had found a consistent line. Yeah. Like, so I that's, couldn't. I think the most consistent one, unfortunately, is kind of like the least cool, which is um, that they had just met like mutually playing a gig um so steven tyler was in, originally in a band called chain reaction and joe perry was part of a band called the jam band and um that featured both him and tom hamilton who later played bass for the group and essentially steven tyler was kind of just like blown away by their sound and in his current band he was the backup vocalist and the drummer and so he kind of approached joe perry and Tom Hamilton being like, yo, let's team up and form our own band. So um, Tyler wasn't the lead singer in the band that he was in originally? No, no, he, he was, was not. The he was the and drummer. So he was the drummer and the backup vocalist. But so actually this is kind of an important part where part of his idea for forming the new band was he was adamant that he was not going to be on the drums for this new band and he was going to be the lead vocalist. Like he was like, hey, this is kind of my power play to be the front man for a rock band. And the other guys, you know, must have just liked his vision and what he had brought to the table. Obviously the guy's a very talented musician. So they um they kind so of started he, off like that. He started in Manhattan and then and then and he moved was playing over. so he was born in Manhattan. Um his band mainly played in like Yonkers area. Yep. And so they met at some, and actually, this now that I'm seeing it, it was consistent that they met at this band gig and at the ice cream place in New Hampshire, and so that's where I was kind of wondering if. So what but, I took was like they, I think like they were playing a bunch of because again, this is like in the late '60s, '70s, and so I think they were playing a bunch of like live gigs all around the New Hampshire, Massachusetts area. Yeah. And I got the sense that they had like run into each other a bunch right and like they're not huge bands at this time it's again what i took from what i read and and so like i'm i think that they just like kind of ran into each other at shows and stuff and then like eventually like had met at a couple of locations so i think mm -hmm. that's why the story changes yeah but i don't know if you got the same sense or not yeah no that's that's, that's what kind of what i was saying like i thought the ice cream story was really cool but it seems more likely that they kind of just met mutually over a bunch of different times um just having played the same gigs like you were saying 
Well, when they get back to us on doing the interview for this episode, we'll we'll just figure it out then. Yeah, so, I mean, no big deal. Jalen Brown, we're still waiting on you for the interview. <laughs> you never answered my DM, so we do know we do know that you listen though. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, Steven Tyler kind of wanted to be the front man, like I had just said, um, and they officially decided to become a band. And so this is when the three of them decided to move in to Massachusetts. Um, famously it's the 1325 Com Ave in Boston is kind of like their famous starting out house. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where like the official Aerosmith got started. Um, they took on a four or a, a fourth member, Ray Tabano, who was a childhood friend of Steven Tyler. Um, but he did not really last long with the group. He was actually replaced. So this is all taking place in 1970. He was replaced a year later by Brad Whitford, who actually wound up being um, like the longtime guitarist in the group outside of Joe Perry. And he was actually originally in a band called Earth Inc., but left for the killer image that Aerosmith was obviously projecting. And so then they just needed a drummer, which is Jerry Kramer. And he... Um, joined the band in early 1970. And so that you kind of have your full group of Aerosmith that you think of. So this is is crazy. I just like looked up where 1325 Com Ave is and we've a thousand percent driven by here like all the time. Oh yeah. Like where it is on the map. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, right. It's not far from your old place in Austin. Yeah. No, it's it's like, we could have walked from your old place in Austin for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's okay. wild. So I mean, you know that, and that's kind of where they get the obviously famous. Like they're the band from Boston, so that's kind of where they had like really started out. Yeah, um, yeah it's right off of Commonwealth Ave. It's 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 near. Um, what was like? What did I just recognize? It's. I feel like I've been to yeah Universal Pizza in Shawarma. I feel like I've seen that place because I'm like pizza and shawarma in the same restaurant that's an interesting decision but uh yeah anyways that's kind of cool that's really really cool yeah so um kind of just a cool little story about them settling on the name um so essentially from what i was reading all these guys like in between shows they would just go back and like chill at their apartment and smoke weed and watch three stooges episodes which i just (laughs) thought was kind of funny i'm like hey but um so they're all hanging out were you a three stooges fan though Am I? Yeah. Like, did you like the Three Stooges? Um, I feel like I, I mean, wasn't a big Three Stooges. Yeah, I, I just feel honest. like it's like something you kind of grew up with. Like I'm sure two generations from now, or like a generation from now, when we're like, oh, like this show, like so funny, and like the kids then like are gonna be like, ah, yeah. But those guys are gonna be stupid. Yeah. I feel like, I feel the like office, everybody. The Office will live forever. Yeah. Office will live forever. I feel like I um. I feel like everybody had that like uncle that was like always like you know. Oh, well, you let know, me introduce you to the Three Stooges. Is Ray, Ooh, my father, loves wow. the Three Stooges. That so, honestly, right up his. That's right up his alley. From yeah. Big. Oh, big time. Big dad, knee slap humor. <laughs> Huge um, dad. But just like not, yeah, I never really did it for me all that much. But hey, you know, maybe we're just, we're too much past it. But anyway, so they're all just smoking a bunch of J's, chilling out, watching Three Stooges episodes. And the one who actually came up with the name was um, Jerry Kramer, the drummer. And he had been thinking about a book um, with the title, or the name, like the word Ariel in the title. And 
he was just kind of like, oh, that's like kind of cool and was like always right down like Aerosmith and stuff. And so he essentially just like came up with the name like while they're all just chilling watching the Three Stooges episode, which I just thought was like super cool. It's not like some like massive like undertaking or anything. It's just like, yo, what if we call ourselves this? And it obviously just like it's funny how those things work out because some of the other names that they were really yes, considering were the hookers and yes. Spike Jones. And just like imagine I just I don't know Jack if the Daniels hookers would have well. <laughs> the hookers would not have like played Come out. Come on, what the hookers would have been hilarious. Yeah, but do you like think that, that they would have gained like the popular mainstream no, factor no. as the hookers. And that's my point for their music. It's like I not like anything I read or anything like but my personal theory is like they really ride that line of like rock and roll and like what you know, it's not pop music in the definition yeah, it no, now, it's but like, it's like it's mainstream. Like it's, it's not like they, you're talking like, yeah. Metallica or Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, or, or like it, like when you like look at some, like there's some like ACDC is like another band that like is mm. very like when you're looking at the charts that Aerosmith's on, like they're on there. But you can see why like worldwide Aerosmith like really blew up because they just were very digestible over the years. They had like I think. I think they released albums in like four decades and like had hits in multiple decades. It's, you know, it's just crazy. But yeah. Anyways. Um, so officially settled on the name Aerosmith. They went and they played their first gig um, in late 1970. They played it at Nipmuc Regional High School, which is now Misco Hill Middle School in Menden, Mass. And, you know, from there on, the rest is history. Um, Rich will touch a little bit more on, like, the big albums and everything. Um, but they really kind of, like, rose to fame over the next, like, I would say really four or five years. And they were pretty big from then on after. Um, had a little bit of internal conflict. Um, Joe Perry actually left the band in 1979. And then the previously mentioned guitarist, Brad Whitford, that I had talked about, he left in 81. Um, and there was just like a lot of, obviously with any rock group, um, there was like massive drug problems and just having read a couple of interviews that had taken place with like Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, um, they kind of had a, a nickname. They were, 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 excuse me, were referred to as the toxic twins and they just used to be like, w once they started getting going, just, um, they're, just the way they talk about their rampant drug use of like cocaine and heroin and alcohol. And I was actually reading this interview where Joe Perry was talking about how he was so doped up on heroin on his wedding day that he almost threw up when they were cutting the cake with his bride. And I'm like, geez, man, like just this <laughs> That's tough. wild That's tough. For, for a guy that just got married to, I was like, lord i could not even imagine have you um have you ever seen on netflix the dirt i think it's called the dirt the song the uh movie about motley crew oh no i have not but i've actually Which... just funny you mentioned that i have read like a couple of i read like a biography on one of their guitarists nikki six and um yeah, it's just like motley crew was like was i mean probably even more so and they never really even like reined it in where Aerosmith kind of slowed down um 
but yeah, my crew the, was nuts. They were the nuts. age of rock and roll, man, was a fucking crazy well, time. So that was like what I was like interested because I was like looking up with music. I was looking up like who influenced Aerosmith and who Aerosmith influenced. And Motley Crue came up as like a band that was like influenced by Aerosmith, I believe. And I was like, okay, I, I guess I could see that time wise. But I was like, I thought about that movie, and I was like, man, I guess I like don't put Motley Crue after that movie. I'm like, I just think of them as just like this hardcore, you know, like an 80s yeah. band. And I'm like, Aerosmith, I just doesn't have that brand. You know what I mean? But like, I, like you saw, um, I, and as I had said before, I ended up running into just like some facts about them. And yeah, like, like Tyler and Joe Perry were an absolute terror. Like, They're freaking but, wild. Yeah. But see, I think chainsaws, TVs, and yeah. pools, stuff like that. Like crazy. So, that's what I kind of think like speaks to their staying power where you were just talking about how Motley Crue is referred to as like this hardcore like 80s band. And I think that's because like they were really only in that era, whereas Aerosmith, they kind of transcended time almost like Motley Crue is a very like distinctive yeah. sound and you're not yeah. necessarily going to like I like I've listened to Motley Crue and like I mean, I'm sure like. It's good pump up music and stuff and you know it's a good rock thing but that's not everyone's like cup of tea necessarily but aerosmith really did a great Who job does it like pumping. one Aerosmith. that's song. what i'm saying like you know they have you can listen or like if you're just going to like a, a party and you're like oh geez i gotta like play something that's gonna like everyone's gonna like like you can throw on like walk this way by aerosmith and people are gonna be like it's a oh banger. walk it's a banger. this way Back this way. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I was listening to all this music, like, of course, like, you're, they're just like that band that has music that makes you feel like you could be a professional musician. Yeah, exactly. So like guitar like, hero music. You're just yeah, like, oh, oh, yeah. it's it's killer. Um, so outside of that kind of inner turmoil um, and rampant drug use, and I'm sure there's a little bit of power struggles too, because um, Joe Perry went on to form his own project called actually the Joe Prairie project, which um, flamed out like relatively quickly in about three years or so. And he kind of <laughs> not very joined, successful, not very yeah, successful. He joined back up with Aerosmith back in uh, 84 and then, yeah, exactly. The smart, the smart play. It was the smart. Um, yeah. And then they kind of just continued over time. They did have two new guitarists um, during the time when Whitford and uh, Joe Perry, excuse me, had left uh, Rick Dufresne and Jimmy Crespo, but they were not long-standing members with the band. Yeah, I read somewhere that, and I didn't get a chance to like confirm this, so like hopefully, hopefully it's true. I read that they only released one album with that like without yeah. the orig- original lineup. Well, not the original original lineup because like I think there was a guy you mentioned him, Ray something that was in the original. Yeah, original he group, left but... before. Uh, before they released Whitford. an album. Yes, yeah. Ray so, Tabano. So with, yeah, but with Whitford, Perry, you know, Kramer, Tyler, the, all these guys, they, they released... Don't forget Tom Hamilton, dude. And Tom Hamilton, bass, my bad, my bass, bad. Bass is big. Yeah, uh, but like all but one of their 15 studio albums they released with the original lineup, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's kind of what, uh, what I got yeah. for you there. Yeah, cool. Well, great job. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Garb, what, what did you think there? You got any Steven Tyler facts for your for your boy? Yes, sir. So Steven Tyler, a.k.a. the Demon of Screamin'. Nice. That's a badass nickname. The Demon, the Demon of, Screamin'. of Screamin'. Wow. 
That is pretty like, badass. That's fucking thug. So, born in March of 1948, which would make him 72 to this day in 2020. Uh, born in Manhattan, moved to Yonkers, and he started off life pretty well at Roosevelt High School, being expelled for drug use. Liddy. Uh, who would have thought? <laughs> he sent <spent> it. <laughs> you guys silly, I'm still going to send it. Wait, so did he ever, like, graduate from high school? Uh, he went to some other sort of, like, working, technical kind of school. Got it, got it. Um, and I think he graduated from that. So, um, so I'm going to give you a little, somewhat of a timeline. Not completely filled, but enough to, uh, maybe you'll learn some things that you didn't know. And this first one is pretty messed up. Um... <laughs> So oh, in 19... Bomb. Put your seatbelt on, fans. Let's go. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> so let me just start off with, with a little tidbit. I had a conversation with my mother about things that are currently socially acceptable in 2020. And she's a baby boomer. I'm a millennial. And she's under the impression that nowadays anything goes, right? So I'm reading today... The history of Steven Tyler. And one of the first relationships that they talk about is in 1973 when he obtained guardianship of a 16-year-old girl when he was 25 years old. They dated for three years, did drugs together for three years. They had a planned pregnancy together. And she came out in 2011 with a little memoir of her three-year relationship at the age of 16 to about 19. Um, Ooh, that and, does not stand the test of time. And, that does and not look you good. know, this was obviously, it's probably something now that would be illegal to <laughs> obtain yeah, guardianship of a 16 year old girl. Something and tells then, me that wouldn't fly, right? Now. I hope so, anyways. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not claiming that it's similar or worse things don't happen every day. I'm sure they do. Sure, ho- sure. Hopefully, for the majority of society, that's. Were wow, I didn't right. Not know so that. he's That's he's wild. 25 years old. Um, this girl named Julia Holcomb, um, a pretty much a 16 year old, doesn't have a good home life. Met a 24 year old girl, older girl, had backstage passes. Meet Steven Tyler. Um, she moves to Boston, where Steven lives, at the age of 16. The mother signed over guardianship, and Julia, the young girl, asked him how he got her to do it. And what he told her was, I I told your mom, your mom signed them, because I told her that I needed them for you to enroll in school. And so that's how he got the guardianship to get signed over. She Holy became pregnant. Shit, dude. She became pregnant. They went to um, his family's house together, where she, he pretty much was like, hey, grandma, we want to get married. She's pregnant. Can I have your ring? The family ring. The grandma's like, no. You know, this might not end well. You know, the dad was a little skeptical. <laughs> Grandma, but the they wise proceeded. One. They went back. Yeah, they went back home, and and Stephen, um, Stephen, he's pretty much just like maybe we just shouldn't get married. Maybe my grandma's, grandma's right. You know, so so this is where it gets a little messed up. Um, she's pregnant. This is, in the this fall. is no, no, where no. it gets this is where it starts to get messed this, up. Now, this everybody. is where it gets messed up, all right? So in the fall of 75, I think it was about two years, this is when she's pregnant, five months pregnant. He's on tour. 
she's at their Boston apartment together and she claims through her memoir, which is just her claim that she had no food, no money, no prenatal care, nothing like that. Um, and so she called Steven to, for food. And this guy that you were talking about, Ray, who was initially with the band, right? Ray Tabano. Yeah. Um, he comes over and next thing she knows, she's waking up to a house fire and she can barely breathe. So she basically escapes out of the house. Um, she survives it. They bring her to the hospital. A fireman brings her to the hospital. Um, and she's five months pregnant at this point. And actually, the doctor had said that it would pretty much be a miracle if she lives. She did live. And the baby was healthy. So... The doctor leaves the room. Stephen comes in and suggests they have an abortion due to the smoke inhalation. Um, she didn't want to have the abortion, and the doctor was like totally supportive with that. But basically, Stephen Tyler gave him the ultimatum that if she doesn't have an abortion, she can go back to her mother's and have the baby there. So she said, okay, I'll have the abortion. She regretted it. Um, and during the abortion, Stephen Tyler was watching... And she claims that when he left, he just snorted a, snorted a line of cocaine at the hospital when the nurse left and took the baby. Um, so soon after that, she couldn't really forgive him. And she left Stephen in the February of 77, returned to her mother's anyways. So this is all from a claim, like these, these little details such as the cocaine and the... Uh, yeah, like, what, what parts of this, obviously, this is, like, a, like I know we were laughing a little bit, but this is obviously a super sad story at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, it's very sad. Super, was... ser super serious story, so apologies if anybody's offended by that. Um, but, what like, <clears throat> were there parts of these that you're like, no, there's, like, enough facts or, or, or evidence out there that says, like, this, these parts of the story are 100% true versus, like... So the fire's 100% true, the abortion's 100% true, because he writes about it, he has his own book that he wrote, he wrote about it. Okay, so he, um, he, he like he's he's essentially um, certified like the fact that there was a relationship they did have. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, prayer. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, now the details about her not wanting him the abortion and him, you know, snorting the line of cocaine—that was her coming out and saying that in 2011. Um, so I mean, like but the fire. And she legit, huh? she has since then become this pro-life, you know, um, like super now religious because of that experience she went through probably and she came out with this so some people don't believe her about you know all those details yeah, which that, you know you who, who knows what the truth believe is the cocaine thing like just having listened to, or not listened but like read i've I read the transcripts of like a lot of interviews they did and like that i mean this i just told up. you that joe perry literally just shot up like a massive amount of heroin like right before his wedding and then right before they cut the wedding cake like it wouldn't surprise me that steven tyler would do a line of cocaine in a hospital i don't think yeah. that probably phased him all that much man that is jeez that is that is heavy that was not expected that, that was heavy crazy. so yeah. that's what i decided to dig deep into because that was the most effed up thing obviously yeah. so i looked into that but during this time that they were together he was with somebody else I mean, I'm going to go through a bunch of women that he dated and married real quick, but I'm not going to get all of them. But during that time, he was with another a fashion designer actress by the name of Brenda Cooper. Um, and then finally, you know, this this young woman, not Brenda Cooper, 
Brenda Cooper, the the original young woman. She Jill. left him in February of seventy seven. Then he pretty much right away dated a Playboy model um, nice. for a little while, which resulted in the daughter Liv Tyler, which she's oh. she's very popular, yep. you know. Liv but Tyler, they just Lord dated, the yeah. Let's go. Um, but Liv Tyler uh, thought her father was somebody else until she was eight years old, so she didn't know that that was. So was that from? like steven tyler being very absent in her life like it was it just the fact that or did they like trick her into thinking that her father i think they tricked her i think they tricked her on purpose yeah um so both i'm pretty sure i think he was absent and they tricked her um so a year after about a couple months after she's born he didn't marry somebody else um and in 19 by the name of syringa foxy and Mia Tyler was born in 1978, a year after Liv Tyler was born. Um, and this whole time, he was, well, part of this time during his marriage, which was a nine-year marriage, he had multiple affairs. Um, and in 1987, he basically walked out on his wife and his daughter on the uh, on the lake house. I think it was in Sunapee, New Hampshire. I'm not sure if so it was that lake house. So it comes back to Sunapee. Maybe the ice cream story is true. I think he still hangs out in Sunapee. Mm, as far as i know very interesting so during this time in the late 70s this is when aerosmith uh popularity is actually decreasing because there's such a heightened use of drugs that basically their band's going downhill steven tyler gets into a motorcycle crash in the fall of 1980 and hospitalized for two months 1984 they are still on tour and i think this is the time joe perry's out but he collapsed on stage you know due to drug usage and Finally, I think it was 86 or 88, he goes into drug rehab, and from there, he said he was sober for 12 years, 88 to 2000. Um, also in 88, he married somebody else, during which he had some other affairs, and he had a daughter, Chelsea, and a son, um, and a son. so he has four kids. He got divorced from that one in 2006, um, but in 2000, he did go back to drugs after getting foot surgery. He became dependent on painkillers, and... 2003. Wait, so, sorry, just to stop you yeah. real quick. So he yeah, was yeah, with yeah. the same lady from 88 until 2006, though? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So that yeah. was probably like his longest. That was his longest, of, yeah. Yeah, That was 18 the 18-year marriage. Pretty long. Yeah. 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 So he's had many surgeries, foot surgeries, throat surgeries, leg surgeries. Um, so he started the painkillers in 2000. In 2003, diagnosed with hepatitis C. Um, got engaged to another woman in December 2011, but he broke up with her in January 13. Um, well, they started dating in 2006, engaged 2011, broke up in 2013. So there's another seven-year relationship. 2006, he got a throat surgery because he ruptured a blood vessel in the throat, but he recovered in like two months after, just reformed again. Holy shit, dude. Honestly, that's a boss move. Yeah, that was, that is what just the recovery just yeah like as a i mean for a guy having listened to aerosmith i feel like steven tyler's range true on his songs and the the, just the type of music like they have these like a little bit harder metal songs they have like the more upbeat kind of poppy rock songs like to be able to perform those like you need some some good pipes and if you had throat surgery and then got up on the stage two months later that's pretty badass 
Yeah, Jeez. that was pretty badass. I mean, and with all these leg and foot surgeries and him freaking dancing around like a nut, like that, it's it's badass. He, I mean, he was probably hopped up on painkillers the whole time, but he made it work. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2012, he admits to Oprah that for each of the four children he did have, he cried when he climaxed. Less Me? badass. Admits this to Oprah. Well, like, That's okay, but also, like, this guy's, like, probably a guy who, like, I mean, this guy, this guy hooks up a lot, right? And so he remembers. He's climaxed before, and he will climax again. Yeah, yeah, and then, like, also, he's, like, you're, like, oh, this is the time that I created my child. Like, the, Maybe like, this he, day, like, knew. It was he's this like, hour. Like, this is a guy who's definitely, like, probably had time in his life where he's having, like, he's getting it a couple times a day. So he was, like, oh, I cried. And so I wonder if he's, like. No, like happens to just like somehow know for sure, or if he's like, no, I've convinced myself I cried, and that's how I know <laughs> I created the child. I know, I don't know. Yeah, I think the real take here is that Steven Tyler's tears can make a woman pregnant. Yeah, I yeah. didn't want to be the it one to say been, it. I'm if you're having you fertility issues, call Steven Tyler. Oh, just no. have your man cry. All right, like like social found the line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, I don't have that much more interesting stuff, except that in around 2000, the 2010s, he did have a relationship with Elizabeth Jagger, the daughter of Mick Jagger of Rolling Stones. Um, oh, but that shit. was just like a quick kind of thing that happened. Yeah. Do you think she's he more, did that? She's only 34 like a... right now. She's four years older than, than me or five years older than me. So do you, do you think he did that as like a, like, cause I feel like Aerosmith like nationally is kind of looked upon as like they're like oh they're not the stones you know what i mean it's like aerosmith is kind of like the little brother of the rolling stones almost and right. so i wonder nationally if he was like, or internationally i mean i kind of think both like when people when yeah. you think of like a rock i don't know like don't get me wrong aerosmith comes up but when i'm like oh like rock bands truthfully the first well, band that i think of is the rolling stones like they are oh, i would really? think the not most the widely known for sure rock group sure. ever not yeah the... oh really um the beatles you don't think the beatles are but like that's not well, i don't think that that's rock. like rock like maybe yeah they're rock but that's like another name i would throw out there where i would be i would probably right. be like rolling stones the beatles and then you would get into like the aerosmith acdc well, Motley so I Curry. guess I, I will say this. I, I guess I would say that, it, it, like, you're right. Like, I think as far as, like, especially if people are ranking bands, like Rolling Stone goes ahead. I guess for me, they, they always, like, Rolling Stone was always, like, that band. I'm like, yeah, they're the, one of the bands that are known for shaping rock today. Like, I mean, that's literally one of Aerosmith's influences is Rolling Stones. But, like, Aerosmith, like we've been saying, is, like, just like a band that I feel like even people like everybody has a favorite Aerosmith song even today I feel like whereas like I don't know that everybody today has a favorite Rolling Stones song yeah I and I I you think I mean? the I think the Stones were before Aerosmith so they yeah. just were more of a pioneer kind of exactly for That's, that yeah, kind I of rock but I guess my point was that do you think he was like oh I'm gonna stick it to Mick Jagger and like get with his daughter very possibly. There I, weren't a whole lot. Of, it was rumored. It was rumored. It's not like it was like an official relationship. So. Or, he's, or he's just like, I want to be around Mick Jagger's DNA because like I like am such a Mick Jagger guy. 
Could you imagine, mm. dude, if, they, if if he had conceived her, if he wept when they had sex? I know. Imagine if he's like, me and Mick Jagger's daughter will create the greatest the rock greatest person rock, ever. That's what I'm saying. What if that was the thought? Like, what if it was like, we could create the best rock lead? Like, we could just like create the best rock and roller of all time. Yeah. Yeah. That would know. be that would know. be something. Just something, just, something to, just something for you listeners to think about. Um, real cool, Garby. Anything else? That's some good stuff, man. I honestly, you took us for a roller coaster of emotions. I'm glad I can do that for you. And if you ever need a cry, just come on over, and I'll give okay. you a good cry. I'll cry with you. Maybe we'll have a baby together. <laughs> All right, cool. Hey, uh, Ryan Garby, oh, ladies and hey, gentlemen. Hey, there you go. Um, looking at some of the music stuff, I mean, I for what I saw or for what I what I was able to kind of research, um, they have like seventy two singles. Um, they have twenty one uh, singles that hit the top forty or yeah, top forty of the Billboard Hot one hundred. Um, their first number, their first number one. And I just want to make sure you guys saw this too. Was I don't want to miss a thing which was number one for four weeks long, which is, like, weird to me because it came out in the late 90s. Yeah, that was it one was of their a, later songs. It wasn't even It wasn't even on one of their albums. It was, uh, I think it was, like, on the album for Armageddon. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I just thought that was interesting. And then I, I, I read that they had achieved nine number one hits on the charts to date. Um as far as like best songs is you know i'm just looking at top 100s for some different sites and, and whatnot i i it's between dream on and walk this way um studio albums 15 compilation albums 16 which is just like you know mashups of their best hits and, and or or themes within their kind of discography live album six eps two um sold over 150 million albums wor- worldwide and wow. over 70 million albums in the U.S., making them, I also read in multiple places, although I couldn't, like, really get, like, a substantial list that ranked with, like, data, but I read multiple places. They're, like, the, they're the best-selling American band of all time um, is is what I've, I've read. Anyways, um, best album was uh, Toys in the Attic, 25 gold albums, 18 platinum albums, 12 multi-platinum albums, and then... I read that they had one diamond album. Um, they hold the record for the most uh, certificate uh, certifications by American band and are tied for the most multi platinum albums by an American band. So that last one was I, I found that a couple places, but they were like you know a couple years old, so I didn't have a chance to kind of triple fact check that. But I thought that was pretty interesting that they're. I mean, at the very least, they're one of the most like recognized American bands of all time, which is cool. Over two thousand concerts, uh, like you mentioned, Nick. First concert was November sixth. Um, I had nineteen seventy uh, in the same place. Um, uh, that concert was like held as far as like location for anybody who's in the Massachusetts area. I looked it up on a map. It's like kind of, if you were to draw a triangle between the top of Rhode Island to Worcester to Framingham, it's like kind of right in the middle of that, um, which is interesting. Um, there again, like you had mentioned, Nick, their, their like kind of apartment as we realized was kind of on Commonwealth Ave in Alston. If you've been to Tavern in the square in Alston, it's like a little South of that. Not, not too far. Definitely walkable, which is kind of cool place, which I mean, truthfully, that my apartment was across right the street that, yeah, from you Tavern could, you in the Square. Hundred percent. Like if you were 
in Boston in the 70s, Nick, you could have been doing coke with Aerosmith. I just want to put it out there. Damn. So it is. Honestly, massive ah, missed mi- opportunity. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Um, so, yeah, what else did I see here? Yeah, I you know, I read about Ray uh, Tabano, which was, it seemed to be an interesting character who was like, he was also nicknamed Crazy Raymond. And, like, I was, like, trying to find out why he was called Crazy Raymond, but I, I don't know. Based on Garby's research, maybe that's that's why. Um, influences, um, again, this is a little subjective, but I uh, had the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, uh, the Yardbirds, Led Zeppelin, and the New York Dolls. There was a few others that were listed on sites, but the list got kind of long. Um, Aerosmith influence bands such as Motley Crue, Rat, Guns N' Roses, um, Tesla, L.A. Guns, uh, Cinderella, uh, Faster Pussycats, which I thought was like a super cool name, uh, Skid Row Extreme. See, Nirvana. honestly, I bet you the biggest difference between Aerosmith and Faster Pussycats is the name. <laughs> it's like, the, it's if the they name. were called, if they were called the Hookers, yeah. they never would have been. <laughs> they would have been Faster Pussycats. That's right. Um, I, and then I like, read a bunch of cool stuff. They cracked the top 40 in four different decades. That's the decade uh, stat I was thinking of. Uh, Aerosmith's um, fan base is called the Blue Army, which is like, oh, okay. Um, Steven Tyler's real name is Steven Talarsa, Talarco. Did you guys see, read that too? Talarcio? No, Ryan, you're the Steven Tyler guy. What the hell? Yeah, look that up. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Probably not. But um, yeah, that's not Steven Tyler wasn't his real name. In fact, he actually was had changed it, I think, one other time, too. Um, do, 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 what's to uh, I, I like I had said, one of the craziest facts that I saw was like, I don't want to miss a thing. Didn't appear on any of their albums um, that like their studio albums, which is kind of crazy. Uh, read this fact that their late 80s comeback was greatly helped by the presence of song doctors. They had a person named Desmond Child um, who was kind of fresh off of helping Bon Jovi with, you know, his claim, his like, you know, trip to fame um, kind of came in and helped, you know, generate some hits with them. I Don't Want to Miss a Thing was also not written by Aerosmith um, either. I will try to find the name of the songwriter. It's escaping me right now, but they also released their first album the same day as Bruce Springsteen, I think released one of his like first albums, which is crazy. Um, yeah, that was like most of the stuff that I had. Uh, oh, here's a cool one. I haven't been able to like confirm this. And again, that was from an or- an older article. Like there's obviously not been a ton of newer articles. Written Dude, by, what did he say? Send it. Yeah, this, is 100%, this is 100% true per Richard Certified. Kennedy. Um, the majority of their money has uh, come from the video game Guitar Hero. Do you remember the Aerosmith version of Guitar Hero? Yeah. Rock Band. Yeah. Uh, or no, no think, is there like an actual Guitar Aerosmith Hero. Guitar I think it was Hero. Guitar Hero, but it was, when, it was like when Guitar Hero was trying to compete with Rock Band and came out with the drum sets, you know what I mean, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, apparently um, that was like where a good portion of their like in, like as a band, their individual kind of wealth has come from, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of fun researching these guys, and I, I learned a lot from you guys, which is really cool. Um, favorite fact that you learned? Honestly, I think it was like the Joe Perry story where he just was like doing heroin at his wedding. I mean, you always like hear about these yeah, crazy, crazy like rock and roll times, but it's just like. And, you know, you picture them, like, doing a bunch of drugs, like, at, like, concerts and whatnot. But, like, 
the fact it just like really goes to show you like interesting and like a bad way but that it's just like you know these guys like lived such a lifestyle that he like is you know 10 seconds before he goes to his wedding cake to cut it with his wife like he's probably i don't know if he was with steven tyler or not but like he's back there fucking shooting up a bunch of heroin it's like damn like that is just something about being a famous musician especially in rock in that era i think it was just a community and it was just like a a part of the swag right like it's i mean i haven't i i haven't learned anything about any like major band in that time that i'm sure there was one but a major band during that time that wasn't involved yeah i think in, in, you drug know, use sex, is just like a big yeah, part sex, of drugs and the rock musical and roll. life it's a, yeah it's a saying for a reason um which is kind of crazy carb favorite fact you learned i mean naturally that he impregnated his daughter he impregnated what what he adopted this girl and impregnated her that oh, door oh, oh okay oh. I was like, wait, oh. you didn't that even doesn't say make her that his part. daughter. He's her, he's, he was Guardians, her guardian. That doesn't right. make okay. her. No, I don't know. I just learned a lot about. <laughs> did you think uh, of that one before the episode? And did that come to you during the episode? And you just had that in your pocket to use. It's like, I'm going to call her his daughter. That wasn't like an art. <laughs> that wasn't like a title of some article somewhere. That I read. Um, uh, okay. No, that, that was the most eye opening thing. I know he was young. He's and he's opened. Uh, he has opened some things for like abused women and girls and stuff. So I think he's trying to make uh, repairs on his make good previous life, his earlier life. So yeah, good for him. Um, the best fact that I think I learned. I mean, it's not like a really crazy one, but it just like kind of blew my mind that like one of their first hits was I don't want to miss a thing and, and that it like wasn't even on one of their albums that they didn't write it, which is crazy. But, um, and then like, honestly, this one doesn't count, but I like the fact that they're like the best selling, like American based band of all time. I, I just wouldn't have, they would not have been the band that I would have selected if you had asked me that question, which is kind of crazy. So, I mean, they've obviously done a lot of stuff that they're, I mean, kind of defining what it means to be timeless. When you think about it, they started in the, literally in 1970 and have are relevant today um i mean i don't know too many people who don't consider aerosmith the household name so i thought that that was kind of cool too do you um, remember um in 2000 like one i was 10 or maybe it was 2002 11 years old do you remember jaded because that's the song i can remember that was a new song on the radio yeah that yeah. was like their latest like their yeah, i think their right. newest hit yeah, that's all right. i can really remember them coming out with but I do remember in the radio a lot listen, hearing "Don't Want to Miss a Thing." I don't know what year that came out, but those uh, ninety eight, I think. Yeah, so I that's definitely one. I, those two are the ones I remember from being a kid. Crazy, sure. I remember for sure. Dream on, I remember for sure. I mean, these are like classics, right? That you just you know you put on, and and even if it's, you're somebody who doesn't know who the artist is, you've you've heard them before, which is kind of cool. So um, definitely like a massively impactful band when you're talking about american music massively impactful band when you're just talking about rock and roll worldwide um so you know props to them for that regardless of of what you think about them as people or or some of their off the stage activities they definitely paved the way for a lot of you know great bands that a lot of people love which is which is really really cool so yeah yeah um great episode like uh, honestly like i i liked it i i learned a ton so this was really really great um wrapping up here 
Um, you know, you guys, you guys watching anything? I'm kind of, I'm out of shows, so I wanted to ask you before we got off here. I'm kind of watching Shit's Creek from the beginning. I just have been skipping around Megan, but I'm just starting from the have beginning. Have you never seen it before? I've seen episodes, but I've, I haven't, like, followed it from episode to episode. Oh, have wow. You, have you watched um, The Good Place? Have either of you watched The Good Place? No. Nope. Oh. oh, Nick, you have to listen to The Office and Oral History by Brian Bungarner. That's what I was Kevin. saying. Kevin, you yeah, sorry, you were the one that recommended it to me, Garby. I'm sorry. Props to you. It was it. Your Garb, you were 100 percent right. I I should have been on it earlier, Nick. You have to listen to it. It's awesome. Okay, I'll give it a it's, shot. It is it is fucking awesome, which is cool. Um, okay, cool. Well, hey, uh, um, where can, oh Nick, where can they find us? So you can still find us at the same accounts. Um, on Twitter, we're at any social two. Instagram at ne underscore social. My personal one at son underscore of underscore ray twenty four. I'm Ryan A Garby. Ryan A G A R B as in boy E on Instagram. The A stands for acclaimed. I'm dude. Richard you could have just gone Aerosmith. I thought you were gonna go oh, Aerosmith with dude, our episode. Dude, dude. Huge missed opportunity. Huge missed opportunity. All right, Garvey, do it again. Wait, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. We'll cut it out. We'll cut it out. Do it again. Nah. I like nice. All right, the A is for Aerosmith. I'm Richard Kennedy. You can find me at Kennedy1627 on Instagram. Thanks for joining us. Walk this way. Dream on, guys. (laughs) Peace.